Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Coach John, who is a weight loss coach and emotional eating expert. Coach John, how you doing? Man, I'm doing amazing. I really am living the dream. Just just to give you, you know, it's funny that we're having this conversation today because I did two two webinars um, for a bunch of people, and I've interviewed on a previous in a podcast called the Unstoppable. I think it's called the Unstoppable one. And I just interviewed a, a Fijian lady, a Pacific Islander who came to Canada, where I'm from. Um, before hopping on this so i love podcasting so i'm literally like living the dream yeah absolutely man i love to hear it and we're gonna jump right in to continue living the dream then Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun other than podcasting other than podcasting, man, that's not fair. I'm like podcasting is something I do for fun. Um, so I, I uh, just ticked over 40 recently, which they say that life begins at 40. And I think it's because you really stop caring about what people think and really start really passionate about living authentically. Um, I, I've got a 14 month old son, so I love playing with him. It's uh, that, that'll keep me young or make me feel old. I'm not sure one of the two, uh, but it's uh, being a father is absolutely amazing. And I waited a long time, but uh, it's, it's one of the best things ever. So anytime I get to play with him is amazing. Travel. My wife and I've been to 45 countries. We absolutely love traveling, experiencing different cultures and kind of getting outside of our comfort zone. Um, professionally, yes, I'm a nutrition and weight loss coach. I like to say that I marry the science of metabolism with the psychology of behavior change and the compassion of human connection. So I think I'm pretty unique in what I do, blending those three things, but it's really born of my own personal journey and struggle. You know, I went through trauma 11 years ago, uh, became a binge eating food addict, went through mental health struggles, um, overall ended up losing a hundred pounds. And so that's led me to doing what I do today. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Love to hear it. Is that trauma something you like to dive into on podcasts? Or is that something you yeah, I'm not, I'm not afraid to talk about it. Uh, so if it's if it's a value for your audience, I'm happy to share something about it. The thing I try not to do, I guess, is glorify the gory details of it, mostly because I don't think that's a value, but really the lessons that come from it. But sometimes it helps to know, like, this is what actually happened. And then here's kind of the follow up from that. And here's how I navigated my way out of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Take us into it then. Well, so 11 years ago, we were living in South Africa. Uh, my wife is from Australia. So we were living in South Africa. We're working on a nature reserve, teaching underprivileged young people life skills. So helping them to become employable within the hospitality industry. We, we love the work that we were doing. And one night I was just walking back to a cabin. So we were, li- we were living and working on a nature reserve, kind of remote, you know, uh, hippo, not hippos, uh, rhinos, like monkeys, all kinds of amazing wildlife down there. And the cabin was probably a couple hundred feet from where everybody else was in the dining hall. And it was night and it was dark out. And when I get to the cabin, the door is slightly ajar. And that should have like, you know, twigged something in my brain, but we always say should have, you know, in hindsight. Um, I didn't think anything was up. I was like, oh, maybe I just forgot to lock the door or something. I didn't realize a deadbolt was sticking out. The door had actually been jimmied open. Open the door. There's three guys in there. And again, my brain still doesn't go, something's wrong with the situation here because I recognized one of them. And he was a ranger, but he wasn't in uniform. So I think my brain was kind of confused. And my first thought was, oh, was there something wrong in the cabin? You just brought a couple guys here to fix it. It not occur, you know, it should have been occurring to me again, like this is like nighttime, it's dark out after hours, there's no reason for them to be here. I didn't see the fourth guy who was outside the building and he cracks me across the head with a rock. 
And that was my first inkling um, that something is really wrong with this situation here. And uh, so now I'm stunned and, and, and foreheads bleed easily. So blood is just pouring down my face and, you know, I can't really see clearly out of one eye. The other guys jump up out of the cabin, you know, come out the door. I guess um, what I remember most is this one guy grabbing like the collar of my shirt. I had a golf shirt on and smiling and saying, shh, as he swings this, uh, a rock at my head and smashes me across the face with it. And, uh, and then, then I get knocked down. I'm, I'm concussed, but I'm not unconscious. But now I'm just like, I don't even know what's going on right now. My whole world is sideways. And I'm like, what, you know, what in the world is happening with me? And they just all kind of pile on and start like kicking and stomping and beating on me. And the eventual goal is actually to beat me to death. <clears throat> um, I didn't know that at the time. At the time, I'm literally just trying to stay alive. Um, and, and the thought kept going through my head. It's weird how I still have some, somehow uh, the ability to think things through in this situation. Like I can't die tonight as I'm getting like kicked in the ribs and, and getting like the wind knocked out of me and, and in excruciating pain and yelling for help, a part of my brain is going, Hey, you can't die tonight. Like it's, it's the like weirdest situation to be in. And I can talk about it like this in these terms, cause I've done the work on the other side of it, but I managed to, uh, kind of, I'm like a pretty big, strong guy. And I managed to sort of get onto my, like my hands and knees cause they, they could have just stabbed me or something. And they didn't, they, they literally wanted to beat me to death. Um, and then I managed to sort of like kind of break free and, and stumble over to the dining hall, which was a couple hundred feet away. Um, and why they didn't follow me, I don't know. That was probably the only reason why they didn't finish me off. Like for some reason, they, they let me go. And I don't know why. Um, get into there. My wife's in there with all the students. You know, my face is just covered in blood. I can barely see. I'm like stunned and concussed and, you know, sort of halfway on another planet because of everything that's just happened. And the place kind of just breaks out into into a bit of chaos because we don't actually know how many guys are out there. Because in, in South Africa, they often travel in packs and gangs of like up to 15 guys. So there could be that many out there. And we were like 25 of us out there. So we're barricading the doors. We're, you know, setting tables and chairs up, boiling water, like getting pots and pans, arming ourselves with whatever we can. We're getting ready for a fight because we don't know what's happening, what's out there. And just hoping they don't have guns where they could just shoot us through the windows. And you, know, you turn out the lights and you go... What comes next? And we were trapped in this building for about 45 minutes and they were trying to smash the doors down with uh, shovels and baseball bats and things. Like it was, it was a really chaotic scene. And the thought that kept going through my head, like I had a fork, so I really wasn't very thinking very clearly, but apparently I was going to defend myself with a fork. Um, gotcha. <laughs> but I can't, I can't die tonight. So that, that really obviously like messed with, with my head. The first response is like, we're strong. They don't get to win. We're not going to let, you know, we're not going to let them like scare us or intimidate us or this kind of thing, you know, but like more incidents kept happening as we were living in South Africa. And eventually like, we got to get out of here. I got to the place where I was like wanting to set traps to catch people. Like I'm ex-military. Like I wanted to set things up so that um, if people broke into the house that um, I could trap them and then I would have power over them and I could do whatever I want to them. And when I got into that headspace, it scared me because I'm like, this isn't who I am as a human being. The fact that I'm entertaining these thoughts and maybe even like liking them a little bit means that I like I need help and I need to get the heck out of here. This is not a good thing. So we went back to Australia. Um, I spent three months just working on a cotton farm, you know, fixing equipment and uh, fixing siphons and irrigation systems and stuff to try and psychologically decompress. But I, I became a binge eating food addict uh, as a way of kind of coping with my trauma. And that's what led me to gain over 120 pounds. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Dude, that is um, definitely not what I was expecting. Okay. Yeah. And you also delivered it. Like you really have done the work. Like that is very clear. Um, so yeah. I think something that would be of huge value. I think a lot of people have some trauma that they deal with, have a lot of pain that they deal with. Mm. Tell us what that work 
look like for you? Yeah. And I think why this is really helpful, I'll just preface it with this. I didn't know this stuff. So I probably struggled in pain for a lot longer than necessary now that I look back in hindsight because I didn't have someone sharing this. People didn't talk about this. So you might wonder, well, why do you share your story? It's for that reason. I'm sharing because I wish when this had happened to me, I would have had someone come into my life and share these kinds of things. So for me, um, my first response was like, I went back to what I know. <clears throat> now I'm 330 pounds and I need to lose weight. Some, you know, uh, that was, that was my, the thing that was running through my head. So I go back to like, you know, and cause now I kind of hate myself and I feel like my body has betrayed me because I've become obese and I used to be an athlete and I go, how do I go from like being an athlete to being obese? This is like, you know, um, so, so I, I start like trying to diet and lose weight and, um, I tried a number of different diets working out, I became a power lifter. I tried all these different ways to lose weight focusing on the physical transformation that I was trying to achieve. Along the way, I was dealing with PTSD, uh, you know, mental health issues, anxiety, depression. Uh, I was really not an easy person to live with. And so shout out to my wife, who's incredible, um, because she's been by my side through all of this and refused to leave me, even in sort of my most difficult state. Now, most people would have met me in day-to-day -day life and had no idea this war was like raging inside my body because I did a very good job, at least I think I did, of hiding a lot of what was really going on because I, I knew if I shared this, people wouldn't know what to do. They wouldn't know how to handle it. It would make every interaction awkward. And so it, it was it was a really like lonely and frustrating place to be having all of this turmoil inside of me and nowhere to go with it. And uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't even want to share it with my wife because I was like, I don't want, my thinking was, I don't want her to be burdened with this and her to worry about me. Um, and so it was eating me up on the inside. And so the binge eating and the food addiction was really a way of trying to cope with all of that. <clears throat> about 2017, I hired a coach and again, hired a guy, you know, he's jacked, looks, looks good. Uh, I'm still trying to lose the weight. I'm like, man, if I just look like this guy, maybe I'll be happy. He worked with me in an entirely different way that just blew my mind. We weren't talking about like lifting weights and eating more vegetables and calculating macros and stuff like that. We started talking about my relationship to myself and to my body and um, what is self-compassion and what does self-love look like. I, if you'd have told me like, this is what you're gonna do with this coach, I never would have hired him. You know, it was, I was not prepared as a man to have these kinds of conversations with the ones that I needed to have. And it really, it changed my life to the, to this day. I still reach out, you know, every, every six months to a year, reach out and be like, Hey man, I just want to touch base. Let you know how I'm doing again. Thank you for the work that you did with me to, you know, he gave me the space. I say to wrestle with my demons in the light. He wasn't a trauma counselor, but he, he just gave me the space to be human and to struggle. And he didn't judge me for everything that was going on that I, everything that I was struggling with. He just, he just said, Let's use this to help us understand why you're doing what you're doing. And that was one of the best things that I could have ever had, you know, going through that experience. That is the space to struggle as a human. I think that, um, one, that's going to be the title of this podcast. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh. But two, I just think that's so important because kind of that like you know putting on that facade where nobody would mm. really know that you were hurting but you're wrestling with these demons i mean that's what causes people to pop off at random times and it's just mm -hmm. like you think you can't explain it but no it's been happening for years and years so yeah the you know the the rage was one of the things that would eat me up on the inside um pardon me because i've, I've been through a violent trauma part of people who've been traumatized one of the responses is to try to take back something that's been taken from them 
And so I would have these violent thoughts, these thoughts of violent retribution, things I wanted to do to somehow undo what had been done to me. Now, I never acted on them because there's always, I don't know, at least in my case, there's always a part of my brain that goes, this is not you. And, and you know, I just, and I know had I ever done something violent to another human being, like maybe if I had to defend my son, you know, okay, maybe I would be violent. But I'm not a violent human being. I have no desire. I've even been in the military, but thankfully I never had to see active combat. Um, I never wanted to inflict violence on somebody else, but I really wrestled with this because this was going against my identity. I have these thoughts coming into my head about being violent and being angry and random things could trigger me as well. And you don't even know where the trigger is going to come from. Like it's a really, it's a really tough place to be. So, and then, and then not being able to talk to anybody about it and trying to be a, run a business and even trying to be a public face of that business and put on that smiling face and, and everything. Uh, one of the outlets for me was powerlifting. I would just like go to, I went to this kind of like this dungeon gym with like graffiti on the walls. And I would just like listen to heavy metal and lift heavy things and let out primal screams at, you know, cause it was a 24 hour access. So nobody else is there. There's no other businesses in the strip mall. So I'm like the only guy here at two o'clock in the morning, lifting heavy weights, lifting, listening to heavy metal and screaming. And that was, you know, that was probably part of like healing as well in, in one sense, just somehow letting some of this out because you can't push this stuff down forever. It has to, and it will come out. And if it doesn't come on your terms, it's going to come out because there's never a convenient time, but if it doesn't come out on your terms, it's going to come out in the worst possible terms. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. Well, awesome, man. Tell us a, Tell us about what those conversations look like, like what, what self-love is like, give us like a brief synopsis. I know you can't. Yeah. Us, yeah. But... Oh yeah. Well, I mean, for, for me it was, and because the one thing I'll say is I try to think about things from the perspective of here is a principle and can you take this principle and adapt it for you? Even when I coach somebody, it's not you do what I tell you because I'm the guru and you're the dummy. That's not how I work with people. It is, let's start with this principle. Let's see you implement this. Let's take the feedback and see what needs to be adjusted. It's the process of helping people, you know, I call it compassionate lifestyle engineering. Let me help you reverse engineer your healthy lifestyle. So in this case, it was like, well, how do you, how do you learn self-love when it's never been a conversation you've had? Like, I love my dad and he's a good man, but he, he was raised by a World War II veteran with PTSD who didn't know what love was. So my dad never grew up knowing what it was. He knew that he wanted to love, but he didn't know how to. And so I never had that growing up. And so my dad would never have a conversation about self-love. And this is not a knock on him. I love my dad. He's, he's an amazing grandfather too. I'm like, it's just the best thing in the world. But he didn't have that. So I didn't have any frame of reference. So he made, uh, my coach made it really practical for me. He was like, do you brush your teeth? And I'm like, yeah. How often? I was like, uh, most days. He's like, no, I want you to brush your teeth every day. It's like, okay. Every morning, the first thing you do, I want you to brush your teeth. And you think, well, brushing your teeth, what the heck does that have to do with self-love? But this is an act. Self-love is not, you know, uh, I don't know, drinking wine in a bubble bath. It's actually an act of care for my body. Because one of the things that I was grappling with was feeling like my body had betrayed me, feeling like I was fighting my body, hating my body, loathing it because I was, I was obese, I was fat. And so to, to try to fight it, you know, I couldn't destroy my body or I tried. Um, so now to, I had to do an act of love, an act of care towards my body. And that was a part of shifting this belief because an action repeated can become or can influence a belief. So brushing my teeth was sending my body the signal that I care about you. And it felt like a safe thing to do as a man. This was, again, this wasn't bubble bath and, you know, and, and wine. This was really a practical thing. So he chose something that worked with me where I was at in my perspective on masculinity, actually. 
Yeah. And then we kind of just expanded that, you know, okay, now you're going to hydrate. You're going to, you're going to drink some water in the morning. You're not just drinking water because, you know, electrolytes are good for you or something. It's, you're going to nurture your body. So I, I think about it, you know, do you know the analogy about like the circus elephant tied to the stake? I do not. Okay. So when an elephant is, is young, it's maybe 250 pounds or maybe it's more than that. But anyways, it's a pretty big baby to give birth to. Um, they, they would tie it to a stake, and but it actually cement the stake into the ground so they couldn't get it, they couldn't break away from it. But the elephant would try and try and try to pull free from that. Um, but eventually the, the, the chain around its ankle would like start to hurt its foot and cut it. And so it would learn to stop fighting it. And so afterwards they could just keep tying it to the stake. Um, and so you see this massive 10,000 pound elephant tied to like a fence post where this elephant can pull down trees with its trunk. It's this massively powerful beast and it wouldn't pull its stake out of the ground because a belief was wired into its brain at a very early age that you can't do this. Learn so, helplessness. Mm-hmm. Yep. So my, my sort of spin on that is, okay, well, if we're going to change a belief, because a belief guides our behaviors, right? So I picture, what's the human version of this analogy? It's like a landscaping stake, you know, a little one by two orange ribbon kind of tied on the top, just sort of tapped in the ground. And you're chained to that and just kind of walking in circles. And for any outside observer, you would look and go, just pull it out of the ground and walk away. It's that easy. But in your mind, it's like, I can't. I've been stuck with this for so long. And so really kind of to prevent, um, you know, tripping what I call the emotional defensive brick wall, you have to do a small action that sort of slips in under the radar that doesn't trigger your body's defenses. Small change. You know, the first step, brushing my teeth. This is an act of self-care. Repeat it, another act of self-care. And these small cumulative acts of self-care, starting to shift this belief from I am not worthy of self-care, I am not worthy of love, to I deserve love and, and genuine care. I love that. And, um, I completely agree. You know, I, um, I think a lot about life and I think a lot about, um, lifestyle and passion coaching. Cause that's what I love to help people do kind of like mm. very similar to what you're, um, doing. You said you had some pain and you don't, you don't want people to experience that pain for an unnecessary amount of time. Like, yeah, it's like, no, let's like, let's educate you on the work that you can do yeah. to get away from it. Now there's, and I want to highlight something really important here because when I work with people, I'm going to give you another analogy because I like pictures and analogies. Yeah. So the idea of a coaching journey, I say, okay, here's what I imagine people picture. Let's say they're going to hire me as a coach. Coach John, you're going to change my life. You know, I want to hire you. Okay, awesome. So they envision I'm going to come riding up on my unicorn steed, but I happen to have another one in tow. So now I've got two unicorns and you're going to hop on the other unicorn. I'm going to take you over to the rainbow bridge and we're going to climb the rainbow bridge up to the clouds. And this whole journey, we're just going to go from cloud to cloud across the rainbow bridges while riding our unicorns and then kind of get to the other side. That's kind of what people would like. I would like to go on this perfect, you know, fluffy journey of no struggle where everything feels easy and I just get results one after another and so on and so forth. And it's like, okay, well, now let me tell you about what this actually is going to look like. I want you to imagine you're standing in front of a tunnel of waist deep sewage. And you finally got to the place where you're ready to make a change. So you've strapped into some hip waders and you go, I'm ready to wade through the sewage. I'm using the PG version. Um, <laughs> so you're ready for change, but you're going to have to go through this tunnel. And this is not a straight tunnel. You can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, there's an end to it, but you don't know where it is. So there's corners and it's dark and that kind of thing. But you're, you're, you've got your mindset set. You're going to go on this journey. Well, I show up and I go, hey, looks like you're about to traverse the tunnel of sewage. I've done this before with a lot of people. I could probably go with you on this journey. And in fact, I've got kayaks with me. So now we're going to, instead of hip wading through it, we're going to go with kayaks. It's still going to stink. It's still going to be a little dark, but I did bring headlamps so we can always shine a light on our current situation, see why we're at. And uh, you got to paddle your own kayak. I can't paddle it for you, but you're not going to be alone in this experience. And then on the other side, I'm going to let you go. And I'm going to carry on and guide somebody else through this next tunnel of sewage. 
And it's like, if you're okay with that, then let's go on this journey together. Cause that's what it's going to be like. And if you're okay with that, then you're ready for change. Hmm. I love that. <laughs> I love that a lot. Well, awesome, yeah. man. Let's, let's go ahead and jump into your dreams and goals. Now yeah. tell us about your vision for your life and your business. That's a tricky one because it's shifted a lot. I love podcasting. I have three podcasts. <laughs> so nice. uh, really, I want to do more of this. And that's why I do it. I've, I've been a guest on uh, over 150 podcasts and I've published, I don't know, probably over 100 podcast episodes of my own. And uh, so I love human connection. That's really, really what I'm passionate about. I love sharing stories and telling stories. And so that's really what I, what I wanted to spend my time doing. I coach also because, I mean, I, I just, you know, the, there's... There's a lot to be said about human connection in a digital world. I still think that we need more of that. So like, I just want to keep connecting with people in a meaningful and purposeful way. So as long as I know that the work I'm doing is creating a positive impact on, on other people's lives, uh, I'm, I'm content. You know, I, I don't have, because, I, you know, I nearly lost my life and uh, I've, I've lost everything in business before. I um, lost everything, had a mountain of debt. I... You know, I don't actually aspire to massive amounts of wealth. That's not to say it might come it might come my way. I might be really successful, but I don't actually aspire to that anymore because I've lost it all and, and realized it wasn't the end of the world. It's like, oh, I still have what's most important to me. And that is like my friends, my family, my human connection and so on. And I have the freedom to do what I want to do. And so maybe this is a slightly different answer than your audience is hearing because like, there's no talk of Lamborghinis and mansions and stuff like that. It's like, I just want to keep connecting with people, but it's the thing that brings me to life. You know, it's the thing that I absolutely love doing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think human connection, it's good that you have that at the forefront of everything you do, because it's easy to get caught up in the wealth. I mean, especially like, I love human connection, like this whole podcast is about connecting mm. and helping people grow. Um, but even me, I'm like, monetizing it, how do I monetize yeah. it? And so it's like, you have these competing things. And so when you can really keep that yeah. as your priority, man, it's a nice Wait, life. So here's, here's what I found in business is like, when I just go into this and help people, I just genuinely want to bring value into their life and help them like my business does well. Like when I stopped making this a transactional business where it's about how much money can I get out of you? And it's like, how can I help you? Because if I help you, you're going to want to keep working with me. And as long as you're getting value out of this human connection, you're going to want to keep being a part of it. And so I've got pretty loyal clients. They stick around because I help them. And you make it about, it sounds cliche, but it's like you make it about value. You don't, and, and, uh, all of a sudden, the, even the idea of competition is, is like gone. It's like, what is competition? Like, I'm there. There is no other me out there. So, it's yeah. like, come into it with that mindset and let the success come. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I think um, that that's a message. You know, like Gary Vee will say the same thing. Do something you love. Which I think things that we love is it's typically serving other people. Like I think that's yeah. where we most yeah. fulfillment. Mm. So it's like, do something you love, serve other people. And that is success. And yep. the rest of the stuff, the money, the fame, the accolade, all that will come or it won't. And that's okay. Cause you're doing what you love. Well, because when we, when we hear like success stories, we often compare ourselves to like the one in a billion sort of people who there's, you know, there's an element of success that is hard work. And there's elements of success that are just simply time and place and blind luck. Yep. That's not to, not to denigrate any kind of hard work, but there, there, you know, it's like, so let's redefine success because if we look statistically speaking, you, I could say, Hey, I want you to shoot to be, you know, worth a hundred billion dollars too. Just like, you know, Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or something like that. 
I don't think in the pursuit of that, you're actually going to be all that happy. You're going to work yourself to the bone and hate your life for starters. And you're probably not going to get there. And then you're just going to feel really disappointed because, you know, you didn't achieve this echelon of like wealth. And I'm like, and then what did you give up in the process? So you know what I get to do every day? I have on my calendar family snuggle time. I bring my little boy into bed and my wife and I just cuddle him and love on him and tickle him and pretend to eat his belly or do whatever you do with cute little babies, you know, and it's just the best thing in the world. And what that does is that connects me back to why I'm doing this. Am I doing this for fame? No. If Hey, if people like me, cool. I, I love it. But I get to be who I am and, and it seems to be working out for me. But I get to connect to the people I love the most every single day. And I made that a priority because it used to not be a priority for me. I used to work myself to the bone and uh, it lo I lost everything and it nearly killed me. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great perspective, man. Thank you for sharing it. I really appreciate it. Are there any other dreams or goals that you want to chat about before we move on? Well, I think who would I like to interview on my podcast? Cause that's really like, like that's what it's, I love just getting into these conversations and I'm like, where's my list? So Andrew Yang is top of my list actually, because I find him to be a fascinating human being. But if you introduced him to me today, I'm not sure I'd be ready for that conversation. And you think, well, why is that? Because I want to bring reciprocal value to that conversation. I don't just want this to be a hand up. I want to be, I want him to leave that conversation going, I'm so glad I spent that time connecting with coach John. Like that was valuable time for me. And so I love that. It's kind of like Gary Vee wanting to buy the, the New York Jets. It's not even about buying the New York Jets. It's, it's about like getting there. And so I've just decided that Andrew Yang, because I think politically he's fascinating. You know, he's a billionaire with a social conscience and he's tech savvy and future looking and he started the forward party. You know, it's not left, right. It's not, it's not left. It's not right. It's forward. So I'm like, I'd love to have a conversation with him. And so I'm going to keep doing what I do and get to the place where he's like, I'm excited to come to this conversation. Not I'm getting, I'm giving you a hand up by being in this conversation. So that's kind of how I perceive this kind of exchange of value. Gotcha. Yeah. What do you think Andrew Yang, <laughs> what value add do you think he needs in his life? He needs just a little Coach John perspective. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and that's a really great question. I think because when it comes to, you know, monetarily, he probably has everything he needs. He's as politically connected as he could ever be. You know, um, it's... And that's the question that I'm trying to figure out is what could I bring to that conversation? If he has a meaningful conversation that makes him think about things from a different perspective that he hadn't considered, I think he would really appreciate that. That would be something of value to him because he's very much a thinker and, and an innovator. So if he can come into a conversation and go, I never thought about it that way. That's really interesting. You showed me a different perspective that adds value to what I bring to other people. Then it's, it's been worthwhile for him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So making him think in a different way. Do you think there's um, a way that you could hold the space for him? What did we talk about earlier? Hold the space for him to be an authentic human? That's what I really want to do. You know, um, I look at my, my flagship podcast is called Between the Before and After, and it's about the stories that shape us. And so I'd love to bring him on and just explore his story as a human being and tell it. And it wouldn't be in a polished sort of TV series kind of way, like the life and times of Andrew Yang over a 10 episode special on Netflix. This would just be an intimate, simple, heart to heart conversation, exploring him as a human being. And, and, you know, I joke that my coaching superpower is x-ray vision. What I mean by that is I kind of have the ability to like look at people and see something in them. I can't explain it. You know, I'm not trying to be too woo, but it's just there's something there. I, I feel an energy. I see a potential. And I go, this is really cool. And I just get curious about it. And I just like, let me just pull on this thread and see what, see what comes, you know. And so if I could show him something about himself that he hadn't considered before, I think that'd be, that'd also be really, really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. I love it. 
Well, awesome, man. Um, we're going to jump into our thriving three next. Okay. And the first question is, what's your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. Man. I, and I've been, I've been chewing on this one because I think I, I struggle with like choosing favorites. Uh, as a movie, I really enjoyed Shawshank Redemption. That is a, that's been on the podcast like maybe four to five times, three or four, three, mm. four or five times. Shawshank Redemption. It's people because, don't pick movie all that often so well when i think about it because the, the fact that that movie came out i don't know how many years ago now what 20 years ago or probably close to it but it left like such an imprint on me just the story of someone who was like wronged and wrongfully you know done so wrong and uh the story of redemption i think so and, and you know it's interesting because I think about what I do in my podcast is I like take people who've gone through significant adversity in life and it's like let's walk that journey together. Let's go from the start. Let's go to where did things start going downhill? You know what was rock bottom like for you? How did you dig your way out? And you know how did you get to what you're doing right now? And so maybe like there's an element of like Shawshank Redemption kind of in some of the stories that I'm trying to tell. But it's just that movie really left a significant impact on my life. The story of redemption. Yeah, yeah. I need to go watch it. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good one. I love it. Redemption is, I mean, I think it just touches humans at like that deepest point. You know, we all like love a redemption story. We want to, yeah. be we love the space that's held for people in redemption stories. So, you know, it's funny. I don't, I don't know if you, are you an MMA fan at all? Did you ever like watch UFC, for example? I've watched like highlights, but never followed. Okay. It. So, so there's a couple of fighters. Uh, one is retired, Daniel Cormier and, and John Jones. Now, John Jones has kind of probably tried the redemption story a few too many times and, and people maybe don't like him so much anymore. But Daniel Cormier was like, you know, the, the guy that did everything right. Not not that he was trying to be perfect, but, he, you know, he, was, he, he went to you know college, got his degree, wrestled in university, went to the Olympics, got a silver medal, like just the, the family man, just the good guy, you know, and became a champion, you know, and he's one of the greatest of all time. And along comes John Jones and knocks this guy out. And he's this guy that gets caught with coke and guns and drugs and, you know, crashes his car and stuff like that. And people and, and Daniel Cormier would get so frustrated because it's like people seem to love John Jones and not me. And I'm, I'm he's almost I hate the expression. But he's almost getting butthurt over this, that people love John Jones and not him when he's doing everything right. But what that speaks to, I'm like, there's an interesting lesson in this. And it's not to say go out and thrash your life and try to dig your way out to somehow get people to love you. <laughs> That'd be a really, you know, that wouldn't be the best thing to do. Yeah. But there is something about people who have genuinely and honestly gone through a struggle and been raw and vulnerable and hurt and somehow dug their way out. And we're like, that inspires me because that feels human. That feels doable. That feels relatable because I'm a struggling human too. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Unfortunate for, what was his name again? Uh, Daniel Cormier. Oh, look, he's doing fine. He's a multimillionaire. He's a broadcaster. Like, look, he is loved. He's he's a legend of the sport nowadays, right? Like, but I just I just remember that that see that sticks out of my mind too. Him being like at a point in time just so upset. Not only did this this guy who was like such a screw up in his life who'd had like everything handed to him and making millions, he was like ruining his own dang life. He still then comes back and knocks him out. And, no. and it was just like, so I, I mean, I get it because in the one hand you think, man, I, I, I did everything right. What, what did I do wrong here? <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah, for sure. That's funny. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny little story. Well, awesome, man. What is one way you like to take care of yourself? There's well, like the, the reason I pause is because I'm like, there's a couple of ways now, actually, but 
um, one of them is actually that morning snuggle time with my family. So that for me, I switch off from work. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not worrying about it. Um, I simply get to be present with the two people I love more than anyone else in the world. And my wife and I get to share in this wonderful bond. We look at this beautiful little human that we've we've co-created. I mean, she did a lot of the hard yards. I will <laughs> credit to her. Um, but we share in this. And uh, it's just like so nurturing, so nourishing, even like for my soul to be connected to that and to watch my little boy, to watch his innocence, but just also to be reminded that like, this is a little man. Yep. This is a little man who's going to be an adult one day. So I don't know. I just, I, I love that connection. It just fills me, fills my cup. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what is one action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to add value to Andrew Yang's life? That's a good question. I think doing exactly what I'm doing right now. So getting connected to these conversations um, really, because I still think interviewing is an art. Podcasting is an art and refining my skills. Like, you know, I already, I think I come to the table with a pretty good skill set. I'm a naturally quite a curious individual. I love human stories. I love engaging conversation, but not resting on sort of the natural abilities that I have and say, I'm going to keep refining my skill, keep interviewing, you know, having amazing interviews, doing what I love so that uh, I get on his radar without, I mean, I've already hit him up in the DMs on Twitter, but he hasn't replied yet. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but sort of adding to my value and my skill set and the thing that I'm most passionate about. I love that. Something I just thought of, which is why my mind kind of went over <laughs> Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Um, a great way to add value to Andrew Yang's life. He may, he has everybody like adding value to his life. Read this book called Giftology. And mm, I always yeah. recommend, I always recommend this book to people who want to kind of meet somebody who's way up there, kind of out of reach. But I always miss this point, and I just remembered this point. If you could add value to the life of his kid, or his wife, or mm. his brother, or sister, or family member, in a way that nobody else can, and he can't, like in the way he maybe hasn't taken the time to. If you can mm. change their life in that way, he will be forever grateful. And I think that's a huge value add. Absolutely. I love that. And, you know, I, I want to share one other thing, you know, even though I have say a lofty goal of, let's say like interviewing somebody like Andrew Yang. So today um, I did a webinar for a group of up and coming nutrition uh, college graduates, just telling me about what is it like to build an online business? Cause I, I mentor people in building online businesses too. It's just a, a way to kind of give back. And uh, there was this one girl and I was like, I really liked her energy. And I, I always say, hey, look, if anybody wants to book a 15-minute call with me where you can ask any question you want, here's the link, no charge, book this time, and let's just talk and I'll answer whatever question you have. It's kind of my way of giving back. And uh, so she she booked a call like right away. She's like, man, I need to talk to this guy. And uh, so we got talking and she said, I love podcasting. I love listening to podcasts. And I was like, cool, let's do an interview. And I was like, I'll fire up my podcast. Uh, we'll be back in six minutes and I'm going to interview you and tell your story. And, you know, she, she's a Pacific Islander from Fiji and emigrated to Canada um, when she was 10. And so she has a really interesting story, you know, coming from this beautiful tropical paradise to landing in Alberta, Canada, where it's minus 40 in the middle of winter and had never been on a plane before, never seen snow. So there's like a really, but anyways, she was just so like blown away by this, that the fact that I would just take the time to do this. I'm not trying to toot my own horn. It was just, but I was like, hey, here's something I can do for this one person. And by leaving that kind of impact on her, you know, that plants that's going to be planting a seed for years to come i remember the guy that did that thing for me he didn't have to he had no reason to and i literally wrapped it up the minute before i hopped on this podcast <laughs> you know so it's just this idea um what i guess what i want to share is sometimes 
um, there's a temptation to get lost in, uh, you know, I want to interview Andrew Yang or Brene Brown or, you know, some of these bigger name individuals, but to do something like this for someone who's just coming up because you never know where she's, she's 24 years old, man. She's a bright shining spark. I look at her and I'm like, man, you got so much. So if I do this for you now, who knows in 10 years time, 20 years time, where are you going to be? And uh, you're going to remember that I did something kind for you. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I, I made this podcast for that exact reason. I was like, everybody's trying to get Brene Brown, Tony Robbins, Russell Brunson, all these big name people mm -mm. on their podcast. And I was like, I really just want to highlight because I think everyday people have great ideas all the yeah. time. And they just need to be pushed and like, like, hey, you can do this. Like, I support you. And I have a whole, like, the dream for this podcast is like 100,000 people listen to this everyday mm. Joe talk about this dream and goal. And then they make connections and make yeah. stuff happen to like, boom, blow the dream up, right? That's the dream for this podcast. But um, I'm right there with you, man. Doing, that's where you get the most fulfillment. Doing the little things yeah. for people well, you run I into. On, on Monday, I just another example. Oh, gosh, I'm going to sound like I'm to really tooting my own horn, but I, I love what I do and I love podcasting. So there's an, a local business owner and, uh, you know, she's a real asset in the community. I live in a small city, about 100,000 people, and she's had her business now for 15 years. And it's actually, uh, it's called the Bra Lounge. So it's a, it's like an upscale sort of lingerie boutique, but it's a real experience. It's like people go in there and they get cared for in a way that they've never been cared for before. And that's why they keep coming back because it's a very intimate thing to go and get fitted for a bra for, for, for females, right? Well, the story is her mother was hit by a train when she was 15 years old. And so she never got that. You know, her mother was taken from her at, at, at a fairly young age in a very like tragic way. And so this business of hers has become the culmination of caring for people in a way that in a mothering way that she never had. Um, and, and it's it's making this huge impact in the community. And you know what? Interviewing her, like the number of people engaging with the podcast is huge because she's so loved in the community. She doesn't have a, you know, a 50 million person following, but I'm getting followers to my podcast because she's got a beautiful story and so many people just love her for who she is. So I think to myself, man, I'm just going to find more people like this. You know, yep. what a great way to grow a podcast just doing that, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Beautiful stories always resonate. Mm. Always. Well, awesome. I got one last question for you. Hit me. <laughs> now, you know how there are people on the planet who have that really fixed mindset. They're not willing to accept help. They're not willing to accept change. Sometimes they'll live their whole life like that. And sometimes mm. they'll die like that, unfortunately. Mm. Other times they make the switch to a growth mindset, willing to accept help and willing to accept change. In your opinion, what is the catalyst that causes that switch? It definitely has to come from the inside. And it very often has to come from a place of pain. So we would like to think that it comes from a place, a spark of inspiration, you know, watching a motivational movie or seeing a motivational clip or quote or things like that, but it doesn't. It's going to come from the place of pain. Where you get to the place where you're like, I cannot tolerate this anymore. I cannot tolerate this existence anymore. And then you have one of two choices. And the, the first choice is not a very good one because that's the way out. And the second choice is I got to change something. I can want so badly to help somebody change their life. And the number of people in the stories that I hear, the people that I work with, I can't do a single thing if they don't want to change. So it has to come from within and we have to be willing to be in that place of pain. I, th I talk about pain as a teacher 
Not that we go out and seek it. We don't look for it deliberately. Life's going to give us pain though. And if you're willing and trust that even in pain, that there's going to be something good come of it, I think uh, that's where that's where real change happens. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, even I think, you know, you often hear people change because of inspiration or desperation. But to your point, I think the inspiration just shines a light on pain. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't have to be like this. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you can, you, you can move towards something, but it's still away from something as well. That's so. very quotable. Inspiration shines a light on pain. I like that. That's a really good way of putting it. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, awesome. Coach John, is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? Uh, if anybody has huge bags of cash, you're welcome to drop them off at my house and I'll graciously accept them <laughs> as donation for my appearance on this podcast. Um, no, you know what I'd really love? Uh, it would be actually more valuable than doing that would be going and checking out my podcast and supporting some of the amazing people I've had on as guests. So my podcast is called Between the Before and After. I'd love for people, even if you don't subscribe and listen to every episode, I'd love for you to go pick one episode that speaks to you and listen to it and share it with somebody else. Um, that's, that's much more valuable than any amount of money anyone could give me. And so that would, that would just make my day if, if people were to do that. Awesome. There we go. Well, you guys heard coach John, if you loved what he had to say in this show, make sure to go check out his show. The link will be in the show notes. Also, if you happen to know Andrew Yang or somebody close to him, let's make that introduction as well. I would love that. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And as we always ask, shoot this podcast to one to three people, you know, need to hear this message. Shoot us a five-star review on iTunes, and we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.